NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that is now known for kicking clowns in the junk. He is the captain. Hi-ya! It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Uh, today, Captain, we are drinking Kessler Trail Ale by the fine folks at Apple Blossom Brewing Company in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Garage grade three and three quarter bottle caps out of five. Check out this Belgian blonde ale. It is crisp and refreshing. The imported Belgian Pilsner and American Pale Malt create a delightful fusion of crisp, light malt flavors. Get yourself some malt liquor. And Kessler Trail Ale was brought to us by these fine folks. First up, we have a big thank you to go out to Nicole and beautiful Parts Unknown. Like your G. Also in Parts Unknown, possible neighbors of Nicole's, we have Stephanie, Christy, and Miston. Yeah, but I think they're just in lot number 42, which are tents. And I think uh, Nicole is in actual garage, and it's covered in canoes. Next up, we have Tony in Crown Point, Indiana. We've been getting a lot of love from the Crown Point area lately. That's because the captain used to be the mayor of Crown Point. But he was quickly impeached and run out of town. Due to Ice Town. Disgraced his whole family. (laughs) And a big we like your jib to Laura in Atlanta, Georgia. Next up, we have Shannon in Payson, Utah. And last but not least, a thank you to Amy in Grand Junction, Colorado. So thank you to everybody for buying us around for this week's show. If you want to buy us some beer for next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And we like your jib. And we just added a new feature to the website. So if you want to listen to the show, you can go to truecrimegarage.com and listen there. And hopefully you're able to listen at work. And also don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Untapped, all social media at True Crime Garage. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
All right, before we get too deep into this thing here, Captain, I want to go through a few notes regarding, well, let's call them updates regarding some of the characters that we have spoke of yesterday and mm-hmm. last week. Um, you know, we did cover a lot of ground over the last three shows. A lot to talk about with the boys on the tracks here. And yesterday, you know, with all those mysterious deaths and misdealings going on, we were kind of a little bit all over the place, but we had to do them in an order that made sense to us as far as the way these people were dying and when they were dying off. Uh, But yesterday we did fail to mention that one more of the eyewitnesses the night that the boys were on the tracks uh, is dead as well. Uh, This is Tom Newhouse. Uh, He was the guy, remember the boy that was in the bushes? He was out with friends, claimed that he was looking for marijuana plants and happened to see teenagers on the tracks with several men. Uh, One of those men he identified as Dan Harmon. And he knew Dan Harmon because Dan Harmon at one time had dated his mother. So mm-hmm. very obvious that he would be able to uh, identify him. Well, he, one thing that we didn't talk about, you know, because he didn't come forward until 1993. And there, there are some questions, you know, how legit is this story? You know, he comes forward six years after the fact. Right. Well, when he comes forward with this story, now at the time, the local investigators didn't put a whole lot of weight into his story. So the FBI brings in Tom Newhouse and they, so they conduct two lie detector tests with him mm-hmm. and he passes both of them uh, to the point where they want to put him in the witness protection program. And they actually do so. And that's why you find that when you look early back in this case and you're trying to investigate what's going on, his name is actually not, not submitted in a lot of those reports because he was in the witness protection program. At some point he decides that he no longer wants to participate in that program, but he stands by what he saw that night and his account of what he saw that night. Um, Unfortunately, I he's currently deceased and I I'm not aware. I couldn't figure out how he died. I'm guessing it might be natural causes because obviously with all these other mysterious deaths, we have some reporting on those situations. Let's discuss some of the key characters that weren't murdered. Uh, well, we have Charlene Wilson. Um, remember, we had said she's the eyewitness to Harmon being at the tracks as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember, we said she was locked up. This was probably a method to hush her up. Uh, the details of that are she was convicted of a first-time drug offense, and because she was prosecuted by Dan Harmon, she received a 31-year sentence, which absolutely seems very Mm -hmm. ridiculous to me for a first time drug offense. But anyway, in 1999, Arkansas governor, Mike Huckabee, um, he ended up reducing her sentence, uh, which did make her eligible for parole, which she was then granted. So she's, she's since been out of prison for that extremely long sentence that she received from Dan Harmon. So they corrected the situation as best that they could. As for public enemy number one, Dan Harmon, uh, in June 1st of 1997, the former prosecuting attorney, Dan Harmon, was found guilty of five of 11 federal felony charges, mm-hmm. including racketeering. By he, he used his office to get drugs and money. Right. Uh, so this is one racketeering conviction as well as, a guilt, as guilty verdicts on three counts of extortion and one count of possession with the intent to distribute marijuana. And I, just quickly, I mean, this this is key evidence to back up everything that most people are speculating. 
hmm. about this boys on the track case. Yeah, and and to further that thought, uh, the Ives family and the Henry family, they both said that they've kind of reduced themselves to believing that th- they're never really going to get justice for their sons. Yeah, which is sad. But but they believe that Dan Harmon being convicted of other nefarious activity mm-hmm. that this kind of it vindicates them a little bit and it, 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 for them, it at least backs up their beliefs and all their hard work that they've done trying to push their son's cases going forward. Yeah. Cause he ended up going to jail for a couple of years and then he was released and then he actually went back to jail. Well, so, so on that first charge on that first bout of charges, he got, I believe a 10 year sentence on those charges. Uh, but you're right. He, he serves his jail time. He gets released. And then a few years after that, he does get arrested again. In February 19, 2010, he is arrested on felony drug charges. But we do have to be fair here, Captain. The state's case in this situation was pretty weak. This was really a he said, she said type of case. Mm -hmm. Looking for a conviction strictly where your only evidence is the testimony of an admitted drug addict. Uh, She claimed that she had bought drugs from Dan Harmon. He was acquitted of those charges by a jury of his peers. Well, it seems like there's a little more to that story. Do you want to hear some of the details regarding those indictments against Dan Harmon from yeah. the first bout of charges? Because I don't mind spending a couple minutes to rub his face in the mud a little bit here. Uh, according to one indictment, uh, Duvall and Harmon, uh, Duvall was his wife at the time, they had broke into the task force evidence locker and stole cocaine. Uh, so that was, that's one of the details there. Uh, and another one of the acts, um, listed as retaliation against a witness. This deals with, really? Yeah. This deals with Harmon's May, 1996 Mm. assault on Arkansas Democrat Gazette Benton Bureau chief Rodney Bowers. Right. So Bowers is basically a reporter and he's reporting all the bad shit that Harmon's doing. And then it pisses Harmon off. So he attacks him. Yeah, yeah, he he goes up to Harmon trying to get a comment for an article, and Harmon physically attacks the reporter. Right, and we've we've heard this multiple times with these investigators claiming, "Hey, we started digging into some stuff with you know Don Henry's case and uh, Kevin Ives' case, and right when we started doing that, guess who starts making threats? Mm-hmm. I mean, Dan Harmon was a, I believe, a cokehead and a and a real real douchebag." Well, in another incident described in the indictment, a woman named Tina Davis traveled to Arkansas from Indiana to deliver $10,000 to her husband, Mm -hmm. who had been arrested in Saline County on marijuana charges. When she arrived, the indictment says Harmon advised Davis that her husband would not be released unless she went and got more money. The husband was then later released for $10,000, And the couple was forced to sign a disclaimer saying that the two had been arrested with the money in hand and they had no claim to it. See, I mean, that that stuff is just so shady. Well, in another extortion case, an indictment alleges that Harmon took money for releasing defendants from custody or reducing the charges that they faced in state drug cases. Uh, I think I think the Arkansas Times summed it up the best when Mm -hmm. they they had this in, in quote. It is hard to imagine how much damage Dan Harmon did during the years he held office as prosecutor. Cases that should have been prosecuted were not. Cases that should not have been prosecuted, no doubt, were. I think they summed it up best. Well, so we have Harmon, 
which, like I said, is a douchebag. But now we have his partner, Garrett. Yes, his sidekick. Richard Garrett, the attorney that pushed for Harmon to become the special appointed prosecutor. Well, some years after the Kevin Ives and Don Henry murders, Mm -hmm. uh, Garrett sold his home and he moved away. Well, sometime after the new homeowner had been living there for some time, he discovered a secret room in the basement that contained what he believed to be a drug lab. The new homeowner reported this to the local sheriff's office, and he was told to take the items to the local dump and just get rid of them. Uh, He explains to the sheriff that he didn't want to have these items in his vehicle and potentially get pulled over with, you know, drug-related items in his car. And so the sheriff's office offered to escort him to the, the dump to get rid of these things. Now, at the time, that homeowner was unaware of who the previous homeowner was. Right. He, you know, he didn't know mm-hmm. about the murder case. He wasn't from around there, and he didn't know Richard Garrett's involvement in this actual case. I haven't heard from this guy in a while. I mean... I call, I write, he never returns my calls. Uh, what's going on with my good buddy, Fami? Well, f- yeah, Fami Malik, the medical examiner that deserves to have been locked up, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> they should have shot him in the kneecaps. But instead, in 1991, uh, Dr. Malik was promoted. He, he got a new job. Congratulations. Oh, good for you. And uh, he was promoted to become a consultant for the Arkansas Health Department. So. <laughs> Um, apparently when you're just horrible at your job and you, you lie and perjure yourself in trials, then I guess you can just, uh, get promoted time and time again. So one needs to start asking themselves a question. How does all this stuff go down in such a small County in Arkansas? Right? Mm -hmm. Well, this is all connected to an airport. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about a small place in Western Arkansas called Mina. It's about 160 miles west of Little Rock. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny town that has been the locale for persistent reports of drug smuggling, gun running, and money laundering. Mm-hmm. There's been a number of allegations that have been made about the use of MENA, which is the Intermountain Municipal Airport, as a CIA drop point in large-scale cocaine trafficking, uh, this beginning in the 1980s. Several local, state, and federal investigations have taken place in relation to these allegations. Yeah, and a lot of people believe that these operations were set up by the Reagan administration. Yeah, the topic has received some press coverage, uh, and these include allegations of awareness, participation, or maybe even a cover-up involving prominent figures such as Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, George H.W. Bush, Mm -hmm. and of course, Saline County Prosecutor Dan Harmon. This is where another name comes to light, Barry Seal. Yes, Barry Seal was a name that we mentioned yesterday. He was a gun runner, drug trafficker, and covert CIA operative. Mm -hmm. He was murdered in a hail of bullets by the Medellin cartel hitmen outside of a Salvation Army shelter in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, A lot of the stuff that started in Mina started in the 80s. Uh, This was when Seal based his aircraft at Mina's inter- Mountain Regional Airport. Mm-hmm. Seal was employed by the Medellin cartel as a pilot and drug smuggler. He transported numerous shipments of cocaine from Colombia to the United States and earned a good deal of coin doing so. After successful runs into his home base in Louisiana, he moved operations to the infamous airport facility in Mina, Arkansas. 
There he bought, sold, and operated many airplanes. This included the C-123 transport plane supplied to him by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency. Right, so let's get this straight. He's working for the CIA, mm-hmm. and he's also working for a drug cartel. Yes. So he's a, he's playing both sides of the fence. Yeah, he's doing double duty. And and I tell you what, we you know, you can look into this thing. It this is this portion of of what's going on in Arkansas is very cumbersome. Mm-hmm. It, it's extremely cumbersome. If you if you there's things out there that you can watch, you can listen, you can read about. Uh, it's pretty well reported, even though a lot of people say, I've never heard of this. But like we said yesterday, people in Arkansas have known about this for 30 years. Right. Um, it's come up. It came up in the late 80s quite a bit in the national news. And it came up again in the early 90s. This mm-hmm. would be when Clinton was taking over, moving into the White House. Um, but both times it comes up in the national news, it kind of quickly dies down and, and attention is diverted elsewhere to other scandals and other other news that's receiving more attention at the mm, time. Which only happens when our government's involved. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think the thing here is we can we can break down the generalization of what was going on. Mm-hmm. So so this guy, Barry Seal, is he's running drugs, he's flying drugs into the u.s and making a whole bunch of money doing so right he gets busted okay they catch on to what he's doing and he goes to the dea and to the cia and says look you know i've been doing this successful for quite some time how about i turn on some of these people that i'm working for Mm -hmm. i'll testify against them and i could i could go to work for you guys right and they're like okay cool you know, and they go to the judge and they basically say, look, he's willing to work with us. He's willing to work with the federal government and help us in some things that we need help with. So they reduce his sentence and eventually he does go to work for these people. Um, and now, you know, there are people out there that are going to say, no, he never worked for them. Well, I can tell you this, that after he died, the IRS went after a lot of money they believe he had. Right. They wanted, listen to this number. They wanted to charge him eighty-six million dollars in back taxes. Yes, that's a that's a that's a whole that's a whole lot of rolling papers. <laughs> that's a lot of drugs he was transporting. Yeah, somebody estimated that he may have moved anywhere between three and five billion dollars of cocaine into this country. Well, basically, he was the drug version of Frank Abagnale. And for those who don't know how Frank Abagnale is, they might have seen the movie Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. It was a guy that was doing a bunch of bank fraud and instead of just you know, sending him to jail, they said, hey, why don't you come work for us? Mm-hmm. You'll be basically on, I think, lifetime probation, basically. Right. So what happens here is the... That's Frank Abinale, not Abinale. So after he's busted, he's now working for the CIA. And the CIA wants to... There's a, there's a civil war going on in, in Central America at the time. And basically, our government figured out that, okay... Team A is the good guys, and Team B is the bad guys. So we want to help Team A win this civil war because yeah. it, it will benefit us. Well, our Congress and the American— Right, but hold on. But that doesn't make them the good team. It just makes the team that we're going to use. No, no, no. I'm just saying what the thinking was at the time. It's not right. definitive who was the good guy or the bad guy. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that our Congress and the American people said, no, we're not going to get involved in this. We're not going to help either side. Well, basically, our government said, you know what, we're going to we're going to in the interest of national security, we're going to help this one side anyway. 
And so they are running guns and running parts of guns to this country. And they employ somebody like Barry Seal to do so because he has this big plane that he's running out of the Mina airport. And he's, this is a C-123. It basically looks like an army cargo plane, you know, mm-hmm. one of those big, heavy planes. Now, he had made modifications to the planes that he was running so that he could travel extended distances without stopping for more fuel. He's basically rigging up these planes, right? Um, which is not cheap to do so, I'll tell you that. The thing is here, he, he I, I kind of found this funny. He nicknamed his plane the Fat Lady. Uh, so he was basically flying guns to or parts of guns to Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And well, he has to fly back home, right? But why would you, why waste the whole empty plane? You don't want to have a big empty plane when you're flying all the way back home on the government's dime, do you? Right. So, so he's taking the free ride back and he's loading up the plane with drugs and bringing them back into the country and making a whole bunch of money. Barry Seal was not the only guy doing this. There were other people doing this. There were other people that were working for the CIA in the MENA area, doing different things regarding uh, CIA operations that were kept on the lowdown. Now, it's been reported by, by at least one pilot that he believed that there were multiple pilots that were not bringing back empty planes into the United States and they were bringing drugs into these states. Yeah, it seems like these pilots saw an opportunity and they took it to make a little extra cash. Yeah, you have, I mean, you have some people saying that we, we, the U.S. government, mm-hmm. may have been trading guns for drugs. Uh, you know, there's certainly been investigations that have brought forth some speculation of such. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say that I saw enough evidence out there to say that that's what was going on. Um, but I, what I think here is probably more likely is that you had a few people taking advantage of a situation and trying to make themselves millionaires out of something that they were doing for the government. Yeah. And oddly enough, this is the time in history where the Reagan administration is going, it's, it's a war on drugs. Mm -hmm. Right. And, but, but our government is the one bringing the drugs into the country. Possibly, if you believe the speculation. This whole thing, of course, you know, anytime you have these controversies or things that are brought to light Mm -hmm. that's going on that we may not be aware of or we're told is not happening, you know, of course, this does always create a lot of finger pointing. So in this situation, you have the Republicans pointing toward Bill Clinton and saying, you know what, this happened at a facility in your jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Uh, How could you let this happen? You're a terrible, terrible person. And then you have the Democrats saying the same about the Republicans going, you know what? Well, this happened during the Reagan administration. Right. And it was this operation by the CIA, CIA was the brainchild of George Bush. And so therefore, the Republicans are horrible people. In the end, you know, that finger pointing doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't do anything to solve the actual problem. Furthermore, you we had investigations going down regarding this situation. The problem was that these investigations couldn't get anywhere because when they tried to approach it from the federal level, well, the federal government basically said it's an Arkansas problem. And then when you try to go to the state level and present it to the governor, to to Bill Clinton, then he says, no, this is a federal case. You know, so it's not only is there finger pointing both ways as far as uh, as far as different politics goes, but also passing the blame at the end of the day. 
Well, and I called Bill Clinton yesterday. I called. I I don't know if I called him a shit stain, but there there's a lot. Look, a lot of my feelings towards him are based on other information about other cases that I've researched. So that's why I believe he's a shit stain. Um, and as far as the Reagan and the war on drugs, it wasn't a war on drugs. It was a war on inner city black people is what it was. And that's all I got to say about that. Well, it, it, this sounds like a lot of stuff that, you know, we're, that we're just kind of throwing out there. But that's not the case at all. Uh, you know, like I said, there's been investigations done on this. There were several uh, newspapers and magazines covering this in the 80s and the early 90s. It didn't really go anywhere, but we know how these things kind of get swept under the rug. The situation here, though, is, you know, we know that Barry Seal was, by his own admissions, was was bringing drugs into the country. Mm -hmm. He he even kind of bragged about how much money he was making doing this. And I'm going to say this is this is going to sound a little weird. But Barry Seal, I don't I don't know if if many people know who he is. Um, but there are, you can find interviews and things with him on, on the internet. He's he, to me, he's one of those guys, you know, when you, when you're watching a movie and there's like, for some reason, there's a villain that you're kind of like secretly pulling for a little bit, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you kind of like the villain a little bit. Um, I, I think Barry seal was a bad dude. I think he, he, he took advantage of a lot of people in a lot of situations um, I think he did it solely for uh, for financial reasons. Right. Uh, the thing is, though, he's one of these kind of charismatic guys. You know, th- there's a th- there's an interview he was doing where he's talking about himself, and he says, you know, you know, I grew up in Baton Rouge, and maybe for a lot of people, uh, an exciting life for them is is working nine to five, going to the the LSU football game on Saturday night, and then waking up going to church on Sunday. Maybe that works for other people. He says, you know, that's not exciting to me. He's exciting to me is putting myself in potentially life-threatening situations over and over again. Well, but we know, Captain, you know, sometimes people go into the field of being a pilot because they enjoy the adrenaline of it. They're adrenaline junkies. Right, but become a firefighter, become a police officer, become a, a soldier, become a Navy SEAL, and do something productive with your life. But what you were, my friend, was somebody that was greedy about money and you decided to take advantage of the system on both sides of the fence and then you're running drugs and how many murders took place because of those drugs? Right. You're exactly And so, yeah, so you, my friend, are a shit stain. Well, and the thing with Seal here is we know that this happened and and I can point to why we know that it happened because... Remember, we talked about the CIA investigation. I'm sorry, the IRS investigation into mm-hmm. Barry Seal, wanting to charge him after he died for all these back taxes. Well, the CIA and the DEA did come forward to the IRS and said, you know what? Well, you can't charge him for these blocks of time because right. he was working for us during that time. Right. So, so you can't charge him for back taxes regarding that. Okay. So what does all this mean? Well, he, here's what it means is that not far from where the boys were, right? Let's get back to the boys. Not far from them is is this Mena Airport mm-hmm. where drugs were coming into, drugs and guns were coming into, and the reports of planes stopping short of the airport, landing by the train tracks, mm-hmm. making drops, that all happened with Dan Harmon. What happens with Dan Harmon? Oh, he's caught selling drugs, right. running drugs. 
So all that part of the story is true. Mm-hmm. So if you believe, so if you didn't believe that part, there's your proof. On top of that, so we know why the boys. We we don't know why the boys were out there. Whether they were hunting, whether they're trying to spy, maybe they were trying to intercept the drugs. We're not for sure, but we do know that they were out there at the same time that a drug drop was happening. Mm-hmm. So we know that is true. And if we believe that to be true, then we believe that these boys were murdered. They were put on the tracks. All these eyewitnesses that saw things and talked then were killed mm-hmm. to cover this up. That's what we know. That's the right. right. That's well, the, and, and the thing furthermore on that point is that you have to have boots on the ground in this type of operation. So you got Barry Seal bringing drugs into the country. You have another pilot that was working for the CIA saying that he believed that multiple pilots were doing this, that Barry right. Seal was the kind of the big fish. He was the fat lady, like he named his airplane. Right. And so. the thing is, you have to have boots on the ground because you can bring drugs into this country. It doesn't get you anywhere financially unless you can sell them to somebody. And once you sell them to somebody, then you have to launder that money. So now you have all these little local corruptive things going on at the same time. All right. So I think we're to the point where we should just really kind of dive into our thoughts and feelings on this matter. And let's do that right after this quick beer break. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 
5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com TCG. That's mintmobile.com TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, welcome back to True Crime Garage. Okay, now, Captain, we need to put our thoughts on what actually happened that night, 1987, in Bryant, Arkansas. Well, I just want to first say, hey, thanks to all the listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is a you know four-parter. It's a whale of a case. Probably the biggest case that we've done. Um, just with the men at airport stuff, we probably could have, just with that whole drug running and gun running conspiracy, we probably could have went on for four hours about that. Me and you are not super fascinated by that portion of this case no i'm not gonna lie i doing the research on the mena portion of this and we would be remiss if we didn't bring it up because it's certainly part of this case at some part right right but the the problem here is 
it, it, it was a cumbersome portion of the investigation in this case. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's huge. You could spend weeks. Some people have spent years trying to figure out that whole situation. Uh, I found it to be the research portion of that to be rather boring, to, to be completely honest with right. you. And I think our main thing was, you know, when you have a seven, you know, 16 and 17-year-old uh, teenage boys, uh, we can relate to that and being those age and being males ourselves mm-hmm. and to want to kind of explore what the heck's going on. And I think that's the part that we were more fascinated with. Yeah. So now uh, Garage Thoughts with your host, Nick and the Captain. Yeah, with Jack Handy. Uh, how about you start so we get the good intelligent stuff first? Because, okay. Because you know my stuff will probably not make well, that's setting any the, sense. Well, that's setting the bar a little high. But I think you hit the nail on the head there, Captain. So this this case for us was about Don Henry and Kevin Ives, about mm-hmm. those two boys being murdered, and then it being called an accident. You know, this case, I didn't know anything about the Mena portion of this case, to be honest with you, until several months ago. Mm-hmm. Now, I knew about the boys on the tracks case from way back when, when we were kids, they they featured this case on Unsolved Mysteries. I right. believe it was in the first season, maybe the second, but it was a... It was it was ages ago, and that's streaming now somewhere. Uh, a lot of listeners were saying you got to check this out. It's like, hey, if you listen to the show, we're big fans of you know unsolved mysteries. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's some things that they talk about. I went back and watched that episode, and there's some things that they talked about in there that we didn't really address yet. There was some leads at the time of a. Um, a man in camouflage fatigues. Actually, well, let me let me get this right because there's a couple different stories here. There's one story of a man wearing a camouflage jacket having shot at police. There's another story that's almost identical with the exception of, they say, in military fatigues, which to me, camouflage jacket, military fatigues means a very different uh, uniform or outfit that this person was wearing. Now, the thing here is, I, I when looking into this case, you got to follow the leads. That was that might have been a lead back then. It's not a current lead today because we know of all these other confessions, of all these eyewitness statements that have come out after the fact. Mm-hmm. The thing here is, Captain, I, I want to kind of talk about this in a sense that it is, I'm going to use the trickle-down effect, okay? Because what I think really happened here as far as MENA is concerned is that we we have a situation where, yes, our government was probably doing some stuff that wasn't all on the up and up. Were they trading guns for drugs? I'm not willing to 100% agree with that. I saw more evidence of these these people doing this on their own, these pilots doing this on their own, where they were taking advantage of a situation. Now, we brought up Barry Seal. Now, the thing here is Barry Seal, was he was murdered and dead before Kevin Ives and Don Henry were killed that night. He was killed about a year beforehand. Why do we bring him up? Because we know he admittedly came forward and said, this is what I'm doing. You know, and we, so we, if we believe Barry seal, Mm -hmm. this is absolutely going on and this is absolutely happening. Now I believe that they were running lots of drugs into the Arkansas area using these airplanes. And the thing here is, like I said before, you have to have boots on the ground. You can't turn that drugs into money without somebody on the ground selling it and distributing that product for you. The problem here is the trickle-down effect. When When you have people at a high level maybe doing some things that aren't completely on the up and up, you know, when you set out to do something that that might not be 100% right, 
Sometimes you find yourself then doing other things that you never set out to do that are completely wrong too to cover up that first misdeed. Mm -hmm. And I think that we see a situation here where that started at the top and it worked its way into a very bad area. And the thing regarding Reagan, regarding Bush or Clinton, do I think that they had some involvement in this? Yes. Yes, I do. I think, I think that they, this was an operation that they were aware of. I don't believe, I want to not believe that they were fully aware of all the drugs that were coming into the, the country as a result of what they were doing. Um, the thing here is though, you have to have people in somewhat of power. You can't have a bunch of thugs on the ground moving this product for you. They had to have some kind of security in doing what they were doing. These, these are the Barry seal is not just going to go out and do something like this. People that are cohorting with him are not just going to go out and do something like this and then put millions of dollars of drugs into the hands of street thugs. It's just not going to happen. And I think what we had here, captain is that, we have Dan Harmon, somebody that, that was a person that carried a certain amount of power. He had a certain amount of leverage on everybody. Some of that was because of positions that he held within the county. Some of that was because he was dealing drugs at a high level to these other people. And, you know, I, I once had a, a man tell me that, that sometimes in some situations, law enforcement is nothing but a bunch of thugs or a bunch of gangsters mm -hmm. with a badge. And I think in this situation, we see that. We see that with the two officers that we spoke of, Jay Campbell and Kirk Lane. I think that they were Dan Harmon's bodyguards. They were his muscle mm -hmm. because they could use their toughness as not just their toughness in, in brute force, but their toughness because they carry a badge and their authority. And they misuse their authority the same way that Dan Harmon did. Right. And we support, fully support law enforcement that believes in the oath of serve and protect. Yes. And I think what happened here, captain, I think we have a situation, Dan Harmon, as I said, I believe he's, he's no better than your average street thug. Mm -hmm. he, bag. He, he's probably even worse because he has the authority to cover things up and do unspeakable things and get away with them. The thing here is I, I, I peg him as a drug user. I peg him as a hardcore drug user that probably used drugs with other people in power in the area. And at some point he realized, you know what? I can turn this little, this little fun drug thing that I got going on. I can turn this into a business and I have the authority to do so. And he recruited these officers to get his back. Mm -hmm. And what happened was we have a, we, yes, I believe there was a drug drop. I believe that Dan Harmon was there to get that drug drop. Now, the thing here is, do we drop top? Do we have a situation where, you know, there was rumor maybe Kevin Ives and Don Henry were, were, you know, privy to this information and that they went out there and had possibly stolen a previous drop mm -hmm. and intended to steal an additional drop and that Dan Harmon and his goons were out there that night to keep an eye on their product and they were going to use whatever force necessary if they caught who they believed was, was stealing their drugs. Now, the thing here is, when you're doing bad things and you're doing shady things, you're working with other shady characters. There's a good chance. I don't believe Kevin Ives and Don Henry went and stole that drug drop. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it was their intention to go out that night and steal whatever was being dropped from the sky. I think you have a situation where you got a bunch of bad people working together, doing bad things that are illegal. 
You can't report this. All my drugs came up missing. Who are you going to go and tell that to? Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. The thing here is you could have had a guy, you could have had a pilot in the plane that said, yeah, dude. Yeah, Harmon, I made that drop. What? You didn't pick that up? That's your fault. Right. He could have just kept the damn drugs himself. Or you could have Harmon who who got the drugs and said, you know what? This shit was stolen from me. I, I can't pay it up. I can't pay up to you because I didn't have the product to sell yet. Yet he went out and sold the product anyway. We know these things happen on a daily basis on a much smaller level. We'd be foolish to think that they don't happen at a high level. I think that the boys were aware that something was going on. I don't think they had a full understanding of what it is. Right. I think that they were teenagers being teenagers. I think that they were curious about what was going on. Whiskers. And I believe Don Henry felt very comfortable in those woods. I, I feel like he often went out at night with his parents' permission out on these night hunting trips, sometimes by himself. And he probably told his buddy, you know, cause they're at the age where they're discovering drugs. We know that they were smoking some marijuana. They didn't smoke 20 joints. Right. They it's, it's actually estimated that they smoked more like one to two, maybe even three at a stretch. They were found with marijuana in their pockets. So they were, they were open to this whole new scene that they're discovering in their, in their hometown. And I think they were curious as to what was going on. I don't think they were going around the week of looking for cocaine or looking to become cocaine dealers. I think that that's all kind of just things that coincidence. It's just happenstance. There might be rumors. I think they were out looking for marijuana. I think it was a very innocent thing that they were out doing and they stumbled across the wrong people. I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Harmon believed that these boys ripped him off. Or even even push that aside. Now these boys are witness to something. And maybe he thinks they were out there trying to steal his drugs. And I think that his goons, Jay Campbell and Kirk Lane, I don't think that they ever agreed to help move drugs or, or be the bodyguard for Dan Harmon with the intention that they thought at some point they would be killing people. Mm-hmm. I think that they chased down these boys. I think it got out of hand. They used, they used brute force on these, on these poor kids. And unfortunately the kids probably fought back. These guys don't strike me as the type that would not defend themselves. And I think it got out of hand very fast. And I think one of them died. And I think, I think Kevin Ives probably died first and they may have killed the other boy simply to cover that up because at some point this, you know, when you set out to do something bad and just to make a little bit of money and you think it's all going to be good. It's, this is a victimless crime. It's going to hurt nobody. I I know people that want drugs. I know how to get drugs. I can make money and make these people happy at the same time. This isn't going to get out of hand. No. One day you wake up and you realize that you're up to your eyeballs in this bullshit and you freak out and something bad happens. And I think that's what happened that night. Now to further this though, they went above and beyond to cover this up. Why? Because there happened to be so many people that actually knew the truth about what had happened that night, that this thing got out of hand. These boys were killed. They were thrown on the tracks. There were people that witnessed it. There were people that told other people what they had seen, what they had heard. There were people involved involved in the drug trade in the local area. I think this was the thing that started off bad in some misdealings at the very top and it trickled down, and the further it got down, it got darker, deeper, a little more evil to the point where it got out of hand. 
So most of this blame lies with Dan Harmon and his goons, in my opinion. These were the truly evil people involved in this situation. The unfortunate and, well, unfortunate is not the right word. The the extremely disappointing portion of this for me is that I do believe that there are higher members of society at higher levels in the Arkansas area Mm -hmm. that probably turned a blind eye to this thing. They kind of looked the other way and they didn't want to believe that something terrible was going on. And, and by doing nothing, ultimately in my eyes, they did something wrong. Um, I think this Fami Malik guy is a terrible dude. I think, I think that he held very bad. I think he was a guy that held a high position that, that didn't have people monitoring what he was doing or second guessing what he was doing. I think he was n- not qualified for that position to start off with. And that, that he made some fumblings and screwed some things up and he started covering for himself. And he woke up one day and he was, he was eyeballs deep in the situation too. And then at some point he was either able to be bought off with either money or fear. And I think that he lied about a lot of things, which ultimately made investigations go nowhere. We're in a situation here where it's been, it, it will be 30 years come this August that those two boys were murdered. And you know what? I don't think that we're going to see any justice for those two boys. I do like that the families feel somewhat vindicated because Dan Harmon did serve some time. Um, there are some other people that were probably involved in this that are no longer around. We're not going to see any justice, though, for those two boys. And that's an unfortunate situation. And is that your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, it, those are my final thoughts on what I think happened. Uh, my recommendation to the listeners out there, if this is something that they want to dive more into there, there, there's a lot of things. Like we said, this is a huge case. Mm-hmm. I'd recommend though, researching the two incidences separately. You know, I think there's enough of, of things that you can read into re- regarding the boys on the tracks. Mm-hmm. I think that there's enough stuff that you could dive into regarding the Mina airport at the same time. I wouldn't recommend looking into both of them at the same time because it's just too much. Yeah. It's definitely a case that I looking back on it now, we did four parts, but it would have been an amazing series. All right, captain garage thoughts. Your host, (laughs) the captain. Yeah. I don't know if we should allow me to speak every episode. Uh, let's just, you want to start at the top? Yes. We'll just start at the top. I started at the top. Look, I, and and look, I've said it a million times. It's not a political show. I'm not left or right. I am normally wrong. He always says that right before he gets political. Right. Uh, start with Reagan. I think there was drug running. I think there was gun running. I think our government's normally involved in shit we shouldn't be. We should mind our own goddamn business sometimes. I think because of the drug smuggling that was coming in, then they started this stupid thing called War on Drugs, which was actually a war on uh inner city black America. And if you think I'm just talking on my ass, do some damn research on it and then get back with me and then tell me I'm wrong. And I actually think that there's, there's actually evidence of Reagan saying, Hey, you know, we thought the war on drug was going to be great. We didn't know it was just going to give slaps on the wrist to middle America, you know, white America and that it was going to screw up black families for generation to generation. So, uh, shameful Reagan for that, but we all make mistakes. I think a lot of the stuff he did was good. Um, was never a big fan of George Bush. Uh, I thought he had some weird agendas. Then let's go to Clinton. I think some of the research that I've seen 
on him and this whole pedophile stuff, which is a whole separate case, is very shameful. I think he's a shit stain. Uh, I think he's very, you know, self-centered. How much greed can he have? How much power can he have? And I think he's done some shady shit. As far as this case goes, I don't think Reagan knew anything about it. No. I don't think, I don't even think Bill actually knew a bunch about it. No. I think he knew that there was drugs coming in to Mena Airport, but but I think he knew that was coming from the government. Mm-hmm. So how much is he supposed to say? And I and I know that the government probably knew that there was probably some drug running on the side, and we just can't do much about that because we're doing some shady shit. Mm-hmm. So I believe, like you said, at some point these these uh, pilots had this opportunity. We can make a little extra money. Well, now we got to figure out places to drop. Just so happened that this airport was close to this town, mm-hmm. and there was some dude there, you know, named Dan Harmon. That's a bad, bad hombre, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. It got mixed up, and I don't, I don't think. Look, I don't know if the boys were going out there to to steal drugs. I mean, I've done some stupid shit when I was sixteen and seventeen years old. I had some stupid ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put it past them. But even if they were you shouldn't end up dead. Right. You know, you're a 16 and 17 year old kid. Did they fight back? Hopefully, because look at some point, you know, if a, if an officer is using his powers for bad at some point, defend yourself. And I think that's probably what happened. The other thing that the only question that I have about that is what if one of those boys was wearing camo? What if one of those boys fired at the officer? Mm hmm. They had a gun. We know that. But either way, I think what it came down to was those boys were dead before they were on the tracks and they put them on the tracks to cover it up. And then anybody that knew anything about it, they, they murdered. And because they paid off this guy. And again, I think if you're paying off Fami, right? Mm-hmm. Well then Fami, you're a shit stain and I hope you get an ulcer and I hope your head fucking pops off and goes right up your ass. That's what I hope happens. Uh, and then I hope that your dog crawls up your ass and eats your head. That's what I hope happens. If you did all this stuff out of fear, then then my hat goes off to you because I don't know what I'd do in that situation. All right. There's people around you dying left and right. Mysterious deaths. He had the ability to do something about that, though. You know, he, he absolutely did have the ability to do something about that. Would it would it have caused his own, own demise? Possibly. Right. Uh, maybe even likely, one could say. Um, but, well, right, but it's hard to sit there and say, you know, I mean, well, it's actually easy to sit there and say, you know what, I'd do the right thing. Right. I, you know, I, it, if people were dying around me, I don't give a shit. I'd do the right thing. And it's like, meh, maybe you would. I'd like to think I would, but I have never been around a situation where people were dying left and right. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If I did die, they would have to bring in another coroner and he might not be able to get paid off mm-hmm. and they might not be able to do anything about it on that point. But there was all these checks and balances. And I think because Dan Harmon had his hands in everybody's pockets, you know, playing a way game of pocket pool. That that's why all this stuff got covered up. And I think because of the government running drugs, 
And because of, I believe, Bill Clinton, there's enough evidence that proves that Bill Clinton, you know, it's the 80s. A lot of people of power were doing cocaine. Mm -hmm. And so I think because of the government running drugs in and out of Mena Airport, their hands are almost tied. Where they they can't even go after the scumbag Dan Harmon because what does that do to you i mean yeah they put him in jail and stuff but you, you gotta go after him for murder because mm-hmm. that's what happened there's two boys that are dead 16 and 17 years old not they never got to the point where they're old enough to vote for you know the left or the right mm-hmm. they don't have that right they didn't they didn't make it to the age where they could drink a couple beers in the garage and talk about some crime they, they never made it to that point. Mm-hmm. And their families never got to see them get to that point. Because of what? Because of some some douchebags that wanted to make a couple extra bucks? Because they got into... Normally, when you get into a political power and a political system, you're there to serve, right? That's yeah. your job. Yeah. But all these people, the, the paycheck was too small. I don't want to just serve. Uh, it's about me. It's about me. You know, in this country, you know, on a on a side rant, we're all becoming a little too much. Me, 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 me. And I think it's bullshit. It's horse shit. Well, and it's it, like I said, it, for me, it starts off with Dan Harmon and other people at his level being drug users. I think that's where it starts for me is that they they were already compromised people because they were drug users. They weren't able to clearly understand or or should have clearly understood what their power meant and that they are there to serve the people. They're there to protect the communities. And this drug addiction, this drug habit got in the way, compromised them from the very beginning. And that's what led to him selling drugs and others in the area selling drugs. And, you know, if somebody asked me, you know, well, Nick, why why the hell would so many people be quiet about this? We're not talking about, you know, when we say Barry Seal and they estimate between three and five billion, that's with a B, not with an M. That's a B, three to five billion dollars that he brought into this country. Now, he was bringing those in through through multiple states. But the thing is, we we believe other pilots were probably doing this as well. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about. $50 $50 or a hundred dollars here or there to this guy or Joe at the local so- supermarket. Look the other way. We're talking about potentially hundreds of millions of dollars that's being spread around because of the stuff that's being brought in. And you know what? Guess what? I, you know, Tim down at the grocery store, I'm not asking you to do anything wrong, but here's, here's, here's some free drugs. Here's, Two grand. I'm just asking you to say you don't know anything about the situation. Right. I'm just asking you to keep quiet. Just keep my name out your mouth, and we'll be fine. It's it's very frustrating. I can tell by the way you're stomping around the garage here as you gave that <laughs> that that uh, very angry uh, uh, speech there. But the thing is, you know, we set out to we set out the mission was to set out to figure out who killed these boys. Was it a murder to begin with? Yes, we we can we establish that. Right. Who, who killed him? We both, at the local level, we both agree what we think happened that night. We think Dan Harmon and some other guys, uh, most likely Jay Campbell and Kirk Lane, were all involved in this situation. And then they spent almost two years covering this thing up. You know, mm-hmm. So I think at the local level, we set out to to kind of figure out what happened to these two boys. We didn't set out to 
you know, uh, correct 40 years of the U.S. government's foreign policy. Uh, but regarding the boys on the tracks, I think we, we, we agree what happened that night. Right. And I think at the end of the day that people of power and people of money get away with a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. And and I just want to take the moment to say, uh, you know, to to Don Henry, to Kevin Ives, to their family members, if anybody's listening to this, we we are sorry for your loss, and we're sorry that there wasn't justice, you know, for you and your family and your loved ones. Mm-hmm. All right, now it's uh, it's time for many beers. Yeah, well, I'm all worked up. It's going to be an angry drive home from the the garage today we got a recommended reading for the week we do this week we're recommending he killed them all robert durst and my quest for justice by janine pyro janine's a former prosecutor and the true hero of the hit hbo documentary series the jinx Mm -hmm. she offers the true story of her 15-year investigation into the accused murderer robert durst for the disappearance of his wife And we all know that Robert Durst, he escaped police investigation into that crime. Janine always believed that Durst was guilty. And in this book, she makes her case beyond a shadow of a doubt, revealing previously unknown secrets about his crimes. So check out this. You got to check this out because they cover a lot of stuff that was not covered in the documentary. Check out He Killed Them All, Robert Durst and My Quest for Justice by Janine Pyro. You can do that by going to our website, truecrimegarage.com. Click on the recommended page and pick up one of our many recommended books today using that Amazon banner. That's a big case. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening, subscribing, telling a friend. I want to thank the captain for another great week here in the garage. Until next week, be good, be kind, and don't let it. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.